Hello everyone and welcome to Winging It, the F1 podcast. We're reviewing the Styrian Grand Prix that happened this weekend. With me, Adam Dickinson, are... Me, Freddie Coates. And me, Nigel Chu. Very smooth to start off with. It was <laughs> As always. A, dominant, a dominant display over the Friday, over the Saturday and Sunday from Lewis Hamilton. He was never really... There was no one kind of really challenging him. Verstappen didn't have the pace and neither did Bottas. And he didn't lead every lap, but that was only because um, his and Bottas's pit strategies were um, a bit different. Bottas pit a bit later. Um, so we'll get on to all the talking points from the weekend. Um, firstly, I'm going to ask you, gentlemen, for your driver of the day on Sunday. So, Freddie, who's yours? It would have been Perez until he clouted Albon. Hamilton. Yeah, same. Everyone else. Everyone else. Yeah. Their ordinary yeah. performance. Yeah, basically. Basically, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll go with Perez, actually, to change it up. I did think he got it because the um, poll came out just before he clouted. Alvin, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think he definitely got the benefit of that. But I thought he had a good race. But let's start so, solid, with solid third your, place um, driver of the day for um, solid third place and driver of the day for Verstappen because he absolutely yeah. ran the neck out of that. He did. Mm. Although he did break his front wing. So. I think it was him over the curbs at turn seven. All right, okay. Six or seven. So yeah. That's the only thing for me that must happen did wrong. Yeah. And that's it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, well, let's start with that. Firstly, on Saturday, Hamilton put in one of the his best qualifying laps that I can think of. He was eight tenths ahead of um, the next best driver. 1.2. Um, so, yeah, a really stunning display. He always goes well in the wet. He's one of the best work with the driver, if not the best work with the driver ever. Um, ever? Yeah. Would you say that pole lap is better than Singapore, the one where he just absolutely, you know, it was expected that Ferrari would take it and he pulled out, you know, the perfect lap to do that. Do you think it's better than that? I, I think Singapore was more important, but this was equally as good in terms of the way he did it because to adapt to the most difficult conditions it's just it's, it's so hard I mean not, none of us have driven a, a F1 car obviously but just imagining yeah. it is just <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> we'll see we'll see but yeah to pull out that lap and everyone talks about how good Verstappen is in the wet but is he is Verstappen really anywhere near as good as Hamilton in the wet I, I, I don't think he is because yeah, Hamilton is so good. When it rains, you just know he's going to be at the pool. Because, mm. I mean, Bottas, he was, what, 1.4 seconds behind on an 80-second lap as well with only eight or nine corners. So, mm. yeah, it was, it was definitely one of his best laps in his whole career. There are a couple of caveats to it, but I think it's, under, it's undoubtable that Hamilton's lap was fantastic. We didn't see the outcome of Verstappen's final qualifying lap because he 
he was really going aggressive, trying to get into the wheel tracks of Vettel, who was coming into the pits. And to be fair to Verstappen, he put his hands up. He could have taken the easy way out and said, oh, who was this guy on the line? But he didn't. He was deliberately trying to get close to Vettel to get into the wheel tracks. To get, and he was on a very fast lap there, albeit absolutely wringing the neck out of it. It was a very scruffy lap, but there was speed there. Was speed there. Um, Bottas was having brake glazing issues, I think they put out a statement saying. So there were some brake issues for Bottas, but still, if he's safe enough to push the lap out, then 1.4 seconds clear of your teammate is insane. Yeah, I, yeah. I, was, I was very surprised that there weren't many red... Well, only Giovinazzi spawned in Q1, wasn't it? But no one else spun or crashed or anything. It was really impressive for the whole field, really. In really tricky conditions because I think some people thought qualifying wouldn't even happen because it was raining really badly. Mm. I don't think it was late, late morning, yeah. But then uh, they all went out there and they, everyone did a great job. But Howard's mm. was just supreme on fire, yeah. So you mentioned Bottas there. Is it where does he kind of stack up after this weekend? It was very optimistic after last weekend for Mercedes title um, fight kind of where do you see will there be a championship fight will it just be between Hamilton and Bottas will Verstappen get involved as well what what are your guys thoughts on that I think on pure pace there's between Bottas and Hamilton despite what we've just said in the dry there is definite capability there for both drivers to win each race um, we saw Bottas's pace last week and in Hungary Bottas last year Qualified and out qualified Hamilton, so he's got the pace at at these tracks. Bottas, Bottas, so relative to Hamilton, and I think so. If Bottas can clean up a few things, which I think last week alluded to that he had, then yeah, I think there could there's a lot of potential for a title fight. Uh, for me, I'm gonna be a bit more pessimistic and say no, and the main mm. reason. And say that because on Sunday, well, basically, whenever Hamilton is out in front, whenever Hamilton's in the lead, Bottas can never seem to have a go at him or challenge him for the win. Whereas last Sunday, Bottas was in the lead, yet Hamilton was able to challenge him. And without the safety cars, he may have even beat him with a different strategy, fresh tyres, etc. But then mm. we saw on Sunday, Bottas was behind, I think he was seven, eight seconds behind, but he never closed that gap at all in the race and Hamilton pro- probably had his engine turned down was conserving his times whereas Bottas was pushing to try and uh, beat Verstappen which he did but he never really closed the gap or anything so, so for me that's the main difference Bottas can only win if he's out in front and he's leading after the first after the first lap whereas Hamilton if he's behind he can still win the race so that's the big difference so it's just race pace I guess and managing the tyres uh, Hamilton's just above Bottas in those two areas, which is why I think without any really bad luck, like in 20, 2016, Bottas isn't really going to have a chance for me. Okay. I'd echo that really. I'm sorry to be pessimistic, but <laughs> I don't think I don't think, as you say, that if Hamilton gets into the lead, Bottas isn't yeah. taking that back. I mean, has there ever been a race where Bottas has been behind and he's won the race? Because not that I can think of. It's not. I don't think. USA. Not off the top of my... USA. Apart from that one. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 and I think kind of Nico. He, um, he, he came through at the end um, and overtook him at the back. They got on like, different strategies. Yeah, they were on different. Bottas strategies. was on a two stop and Hamilton was on a one stop. So okay, mm. I think. But I think looking at when Rosberg won, he <laughs> kind of he pulled out. Um, you know, he was kind of borderline in every single area. I think, and I'm not sure Bottas has kind of that ruthless streak in him either that he'd need to um, beat Hamilton. Freddie, Baku 2018, he should have won. And China 2018, he should have won. And he drove perfectly to outmaneuver out in the pit stops Ferraris and his teammate in those races. And it was only the safety cars that jeopardised both of those wins for him. There it wasn't back in 2018 he, he benefited from the safety car and then got a puncture. I'm sure he benefited because he pitted last. I thought he took the lead already. No, no, I'm yeah, sure think... the safety car, he benefited from it, but then he got a puncture. He got the puncture, Vessel yeah, so was I in the he should have won. Think... Mm. Yeah, but well, I think Vettel was in the lead. Anyway. because no, Vettel <laughs> dive-bombed him. Yeah. Vettel dive-bombed him and completely flat-spotted his tyre. Yeah, up in but like fifth. the safety car allowed Bottas to get ahead. I thought because I thought, Vettel went long. And Bottas... No, no, Bottas went wrong. Did he? Okay. Somewhat, okay. I think, yeah. I thought Bottas got ahead <laughs> before the safety car. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably wrong. Debating already. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember... I, I don't remember loads from the race or kind of as much as you do, but I do kind of remember when Bottas punctured, um, feeling like, you know, he lost the win. I, it felt like he was in the position, but I'd have to go back because sometimes the mind does. He'd been ahead of Hamilton in the race anyway. Yeah. I thought he was third. I thought he was behind Hamilton. Well, still, he should have won China. But then Ricardo pitted that. Without the Toro Rosso's crash, without Pierre Gasly or Brendan Hartley dive-bombing the other. (laughs) That's would have won that. (laughs) And I think, as well, consistency, Lewis, even on his bad weekends, he doesn't have bad weekends or bad results. um, Kind of... Germany aside, that's the only one I can think of in a long time. You know, and Bottas, he'll he'll show absolute pace, but then sometimes he'll go missing. And I think that will be less of a problem because, as we've discussed, there's not as many drivers mixing it up with them. There's no Ferrari like there was last season. So it's just kind of um, how Verstappen, you know, who loses out to Verstappen more over the race. Yeah, I think the one thing that could help Bottas is if Mercedes are far out ahead, his worst, but Bottas will, will still be on the podium. He'll, his worst result should be a, a third or a second, maybe. Yeah. So then if Hamilton does have bad luck, he should be able to capitalise. Whereas, say, in and, 2018 and 2017, Bottas might have come fourth or fifth on a bad day because Ferrari was up there. So then mm-hmm. Mercedes being dominant should help Bottas in a way. Yeah. And he should have the pace to block off a potential fastest lap gamble from Hamilton at the end, which would then be able to at least take a, a, a point away from Hamilton, maybe hand it to the midfield, but that's still away from his title challenger. Mm. And I mean, to be honest, I don't see... We've not had a title go down to the uh, title decider on the final race since Rosberg, and mm. I don't see that happening this year. I don't think, think it will be won before that. Yeah, um, Bottas won't employ the same mind games that Rosberg did to to such an effect. Yeah, was it mind games or or was it just bad luck for for Lewis? 
Well, if you think, think about something was... hard enough, it will happen. You clearly <laughs> thought about that yeah. Malaysia engine problem. <laughs> I mean, I think it was kind of Rosberg was right on the edge of kind of um, legality in a lot of places, which you have to be. Um, yeah. He had to be and he wouldn't have won without that. But I don't think Bottas has that in him. Um, you know, that's just what from what I've seen of him. Um, so he spent a good chunk talking about um, the lead in a race where there was no fight for the lead <laughs> over over the whole thing. Um, uh, I think we've lost Adam there. Uh, I think <laughs> Adam was going to ask about Verstappen for any. So yes. yeah, what did you make of his his weekend? He was reasonably good in qualifying, had that spin, but then he just didn't have the pace to take it to uh, the Mercedes mm. guys, did he? Yeah, he, he didn't quite have the pace, but how long was he ahead of Bottas for? Was it 65 or something, about a 71 yeah. laps? So yeah. he had he had an excellent drive to stay there and to completely outclass his teammate, who we've agreed a lot of the time Sorry. isn't a slouch. Oh, Adam's back. There we go. Hello. Yes, we're just talking about Verstappen and uh, how he tried to battle the Mercedes. What was really impressive was his... Uh, overtake around the outside when Bottas passed him uh, mm. first time round, he somehow came back around mm. the outside on all tyres on all tyres. Uh, but then Bottas got on the next lap anyway. Uh, yeah, we don't know how much uh, his front wing damage cost him in the race. Whether that would have made a difference, I'm not really I, sure. I, but, yeah, I think um, presumably not much because Bottas was consistently closing in for the majority of the race. I think yeah. Verstappen's pace was always a slightly off and Bottas was just able to control when he mounted the challenge. But Verstappen was still able to remain in that fight for so long to, to force the challenge to come from Bottas that, you know, that can only really be applauded for a stellar drive from him, I think. So what I think I froze after Verstappen and then mm. I carried on talking about Albon for about 10 seconds before realising <laughs> that I dropped out. Um, Alex Albon didn't have as good a race after kind of such such, op- such optimism last week. And it kind of looked like he'd um, silenced a lot of critics um, for kind of his position in Red Bull. But he kind of, he just wasn't on the pace of Bottas or Verstappen this weekend, was he? He was obliterated, unfortunately. He he had he, he was close in qualifying, whatever it was, four tenths off, which Almost yeah, it's a short short lap on off the yeah. He's still he's still only a few tenths off Verstappen in the qualifying in the wet because of completed laps. He's still got a lap in, so that's not to be sniffed at. Um which Verstappen didn't. Uh but in the race it was just a key thing with Pierre Gasly last year, which is why he was dropped, because he wasn't able to successfully play the rear gunner role. Um, and you could kind of see that perfectly in Hungary last year, that Pierre Gasly wasn't there to pick up the pieces and it allowed a Mercedes late race challenge. Um, Albon has been talked about, oh, he's able to keep a bit of pace and mix it at the front a bit more. And towards the end of the last season, he was, to be fair. But this race, he just put himself in the same box that Pierre Gasly seemed to be in at the tail end of his rebel stint last year and it doesn't look good that performance for Albon at all 
Yeah, it it well, Gasly got lapped last year in Austria, didn't he, with yeah. no safety cars? So at least it wasn't yeah. that bad. But 35, 40 seconds off the pace mm. is not good. It seems to me when when at the start of the races when the cars are heavy with fuel, that's where he's struggling. In qualifying, he's not too bad. He's there. He's about three or four tenths behind. And we saw in the second half of the race when the fuel was burning, on lower fuel, Albon was a bit better. His, his pace, in fact, when Perez was catching him, his pace shot up. So I don't know if it's a problem on heavy fuel or something for Albon, mm. but it, it doesn't look good and it does beg the question, you know, how will he be with Red Bull next year or even later this season, really? I don't know if he still has a spec difference to Verstappen. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, but then also, we don't know how much that's worth. I mean, it's a very visible difference on the front of the car. So the, the sort of scoops in the nose, they've yeah. got a good, really good sort of cylindrical version on the front of Verstappen's car, whereas Alvin's car is a little bit more blockheady. Um, mm. So I don't, we obviously have no idea how much that correlates. But, but even yeah. you mentioned before, uh, last year towards the end when he was in the race but even like I'm thinking about Brazil before the safety cars I don't remember him being that close towards the front so I think circumstances have possibly helped and same with Austria last weekend he oh, wasn't yes. really in, in the race until no. the safety cars came so then uh, and then we saw on Sunday in the, nor- in the normal race he just doesn't quite have the pace mm. I, I'm just thinking Adam I guess this is a, this is a question for you is, is Verstappen going to make, like, does it matter who's against Verstappen and Verstappen's just going to make them all look bad kind of thing? Well, I mean, he he beat Ricardo, and I think Ricardo was probably the best Red Bull could have hoped for um, in terms of a driver. I think if, if it wasn't for kind of the way they both came in, in that Ricardo was their first, established himself as a dominant driver, and then Verstappen came in, and kind of ended up beating him. But I think if that had kind of gone the other way, if Ricardo had come in, you know, in a kind of, once Verstappen was established, he could have been a good number two driver. You know, that I think his, in terms of his level of performance is probably what they want. You know, a driver who can, you know, is, is decent, if not on Verstappen's level, close to, and, you know, just kind of able to pick up pick up wins and podiums when, you know, he has the opportunity. But, you know, I don't know, I don't know where else that's going to come from, kind of looking at the Red Bull Junior programme at the moment. You know, that's a whole kind of other discussion in itself. But I'm just, you know, I'm not, I think he'll, anyone up against Verstappen, I think even Hamilton up against Verstappen would, you know, would have a difficult time um you know he's, he's at that level i think and yeah i you know i don't know i think once ricardo left i'm not sure kind of who else they can get into to get to that level i mean what on them um, drive to survive when christian horner was talking about um axing gasly and he kind of said that the problem was he wasn't doing anything you know he was kind of running around in you know, like six, seven, eight, and he wasn't kind of offering any sign that he'd improve on that. He was looking a lot of the data and stuff, and he wasn't driving off instinct. And I don't think Hubbard falls into that um, yeah. trap. But you know, I'm not. I'm kind of not 
seeing how Red Bull are gonna, you know, I think it's it's a very um, niche set of skills that they'll need from a driver to be able to fill in the dream number two yeah. role to Verstappen. I think he is. Oh, go on. He did off, the job to He he's, he finished P four. Verstappen finished P three. That's objective met, really. Mm. What you say about but, his pace when Perez was attacking him, he picked up the pace. So, is it motivation? Is he? Is he, you get you get some. I mean, some drivers a bit. It's a bit more of a seventies, eighties thing, really. But like when they don't really sense the win, they can drop off, or sense the fight, they can drop off. And if if Albon's mentally telling himself, "I'm the fourth place finisher in this race," then he will drive to finish fourth, and that's it. I think if he's thinking like that, that's a big problem, really, because yeah. you'd yeah, think they're agree. all going for the win and plus if racing point if Perez and Stroll started in the top 10 Albon probably would have got beaten I think there's points Perez... to say they've got the second fastest car really after that weekend yeah yeah true uh, Albon is under threat if, if, if Perez was starting in the position where he should have been presumably around mm. P5 P4 maybe yeah uh, I think Albon is doing a better job than Gasly but whether he's doing enough to keep his seat now that's the big question, really. Well, we're only two races in. We've got a few different tracks coming up, so we'll just have to see how he goes there. But he's going to have to start showing something, I guess. Just showing more pace. He's definitely got the race craft. I think that's that's a department where he's quite strong. But just yeah. raw, raw race pace, that he needs to yeah. show something there. Well, are they going to bring Sebastian home? As has been reported, yeah. the Dietrich Matters would like to happen. I think Horner kind of shut it down on Thursday. Or, wow. Uh, shut it down, but it hasn't gone away. Apparently, um, no. well, Dietrich Matisic was out of the race. And, I mean, they're not going to do talk. They're not going to talk. Uh, they're cleverer than that. But that's what I heard. Yeah. And, and they said Gasly would stay, would keep his seat for the whole of 2020. And that didn't happen. And Christian Horner, like, yeah, I think, I think the question true. was, will Vettel be at Red Bull, but didn't say when. Like, Vettel might not be at yeah. Red Bull this year, but he could be next year. You know, so the white line in Horner's, exactly. in Horner's mind. To his would, would, Vettel, would Vettel do better than Albon or Gasly? I mean, 2020 or 2021 Vettel do better? I think, yes. Mentally, he'd, he'd be, be in a much better board. situation at Red Bull. The Ferrari, the Ferrari environment is a car crash at the moment, and I think the Red Bull uh, environment. A good bit of foreshadowing. He's a, if he's in a team, you're in a team that um, is now want now wants you out. A team that's just openly, essentially, oh look, we've usurped you with the younger driver. Bye. If you got then a, a team, a team, a whole corporation who absolutely adores you, saying, "Get him back, get him back. We want him here." Which is the the noises coming out from the top of Red Bull with Matashit, um, then that's going to just completely boost your confidence. And Vettel with a confidence boost is would be a lot better. I think. I think it would scare Verstappen more than any of the teammates he's had before. I don't think. I don't think he would. I think. You know, he, he is a four-time champion, but I don't think, you know, so is Prost. But if he drove now, he wouldn't be at the level of a four-time world champion. And I don't think Vettel <laughs> is at that. I, I just oh. don't, I don't know. I think Vettel, seeing how he's um, gone, especially against younger teammates, I, you know, I, I don't really see 
any kind of promise there that he'd do any better. And it's not, if he goes, you know, you know what his ceiling is. You don't know what Albon's ceiling is yet because he's only been in for a year um, and he's only been at Red Bull for, you know, a hand, handful of races on the scale. Of, I don't think that would be, you know, it'd be a good, be a fun move, I guess. But I don't think kind of short term or long term, that would be the best for them. Nigel, what do you? What are your opinions? Well, I think we can do a whole new episode on, yeah. on Mr. Rios because I think that all <laughs> would be would be good enough personally because he's shown he can do it. He can't do it at the moment with Ferrari. But if you, if you simply ask me, who would I rather have in the car, Sebastian Vettel or Alex Albon? I'd say Vettel every day. So that's right. Yeah, I think I think it's something we can definitely talk about. Okay, well, or something because it, it's yeah. a pretty big, big yeah. topic. Well, we've got obviously we'll we'll be doing a preview podcast for Hungary, and then there's a week's break um, or a weekend free yeah. um, before the it moves to Britain. So it's been a triple header, but they'll finally be a bit of a break. So that could be one on the schedule for then. Um, F1 news is like buses, isn't mean, it? We've got the notes for the podcast. <laughs> we've we've got for, uh, notes for the podcast and for Ferrari we've just got old dear written down um, don't need to spend too much time on it because obviously there's a lot to get through but um, <laughs> just quickly kind of what's the relationship you know has it broken down completely between um, Leclerc and Vettel and was it all Leclerc's fault um, I mean Freddie you had <laughs> some thoughts on Ferrari last week so I'm looking forward to this that was after a second place, so I'm looking forward to I, what you think this time. I ranted and raved about Ferrari last week, and I've sort of run out now. I mean, they qualified 10th and 11th this time, not whether it was 8th or 11th. Um, I don't know. Yeah. The solace is that they're on pace with each Trending other. In the wrong direction. They're on pace with each other. If um, they were saved from an embarrassing race by an embarrassing first lap. Wow, that is something. <laughs> I mean, I, I I didn't think how the race could have gone any worse, and I wrote this um, that I don't I don't think it could have got any worse. I can't envisage a situation that would have. <laughs> worst race. Um, I think I think what's worse for Ferrari as the the mystique and global brand that is Ferrari, if they're happy to compete in a race where they're fighting for what well, presumably looking at the where the Renaults were presumably for around eighth and ninth with Science at the end of the race presumably on at a push, so if they're going to be doing that as a serious performance. Then to not compete as a brand <laughs> is better. And I'm not saying Ferrari should leave. I'm saying Ferrari should get better because they deserve to do better. No, they should do better. They don't deserve to do better at the moment. They should do better. But whenever they perform, it is embarrassing. And they brought forward some of their upgrades, but they never finished above, what, eighth in a practice session this weekend? At least they got second place in a race and fourth in a practice session last week. It was this weekend. It was dire again yeah, I do think ne- next weekend at 
the Hungara Ring, a less kind of pace heavy or straight line speed heavy track, you know, they could do a bit better. And there's a few other teams that I think will be in that mm. boat, but we'll have to see. You know, I don't think we really got a true representation of where the upgrades have put track. them. Um, it's one track, you know, it's practice and only two practice sessions at that and a wet qualifying and then they didn't set a lap in the race. So we'll see. But, but um, Nigel, is the kind of, is all trust and is the relationship between Vettel and Leclerc completely broken down? Uh, I don't think it has. I think it's just more they know Vettel's going out on the team and Vettel seems to not really care, to be honest. He doesn't seem motivated. He just, he's speaking freely. Whereas Leclerc knows he's going to be with Ferrari for at least two or three years, I think he's contracted to, uh, contracted for, sorry. So I think the re- the relationship between Vettel and Leclerc is fine, but what's more important is the car performance. And, you know, we, we've we've suggested that uh, Ferrari, they have more downforce this year, but even in the wet, even if they did have a dry setup, if there is such things as a dry setup these days, they were pretty, pretty poor. Uh, so, and, you know, in the rain, obviously, that's when downforce matters the most. We'll have to see what happens uh, in Hungary this weekend. But I think we're just going to have to adjust to Ferrari being the fourth, fifth or sixth fastest car. Because for so long, they've been at the first, second or third. And, yeah, we're just this is the new normal for them now. Mm, they've never, or not in a long time, I think, since I started watching in 07 and obviously before that in the Schumacher years. But I can't remember a time when they've kind of been in the midfield. They've always, I think, you know, 2014 wasn't a great year for them, but they've always kind of been a step above the midfield to my memory. Um, But yeah, I think it will be kind of Leclerc, Ricardo. Um, Norris signs kind of, you know, and all the other drivers there going up against each other um, in kind of more equal cars. Um, we'll get on to the midfield battle now because we spent half the episode talking yeah. about the the front. So, <laughs> and God the knows how, we're gonna, how long we're going to talk about this. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was crazy at the end. I think last last week there was, you know, four or five cars in the podium positions. Um, were in second and third over the last few laps and this week that kind of shifted down a bit um but firstly who was out of that midfield of I guess the two Renaults the two racing points and the two McLarens um who stood out I mean I've already said Perez but who to you stood out as the best driver as the best driver um of, of still, the race yeah yeah still Perez Although Ricardo, I thought, did put in a good, good showing at the start of the race on the medium tyres. Yeah. We all had mistakes throughout the weekend, whether it was in qualifying or the race. There was no one who really shone for me. Carlos Sainz got done with his pit stop because he had a 12-second yeah. pit stop. So that didn't help. So I think Norris's performance was really good, especially those last 10 laps again. But I think Science's performance wasn't as bad as people think because it wasn't his fault that the pit stop went wrong. Mm. Renault looked good, actually, in the first half of the race. But then yeah. on the other set, I think they went to soft tyres with Ricardo. Uh, they didn't look good. And McLaren, 
seem to have a really good qualifying car or a, a good car on low fuel because Norris yeah. really came forth in the back end of the race there and, and in qualifying, you know, Sainz was third, wasn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, and it looks like racing points the opposite. They're not as good in qualifying, but then they're really good in the race. So then those strengths and weaknesses there are going to make for a fantastic fight throughout the next few races, really. I think the um, McLaren has got insane drivability. It's such a driver-friendly yeah. car that yeah. when it's on low fuel, they can still they can just really just absolutely maximise all the pace easily in low fuel. Whereas um, I was saying this to Adam earlier a few times, the racing point looked a touch skittish in the race, and you know that wouldn't have helped them in the red, in the red, in the wet, and um, <laughs> that wouldn't have helped them in the wet, which it didn't. And they just look like a lot of the attacks, particularly from. Stroll and Perez coming through, um, they had to be lunges, and that wasn't just that's the nature of the midfield. But the lunges they did just seemed to be completely ragged um, for a lot of the that time. The drivers, though. Well, if it's the drivers, well, then that's still the case. Um, well, on that, um, just on that, McLaren switched their two drivers in the latter stages, and that absolutely paid dividends oh, yeah. for them. It's one of the best team moves, I think. Of, seen in a while in that it got Lando a fifth place and it mm. got signed to the fastest lap and I think firstly that just shows kind of how good the relationship between the two drivers is in the whole team it you know really got filled with atmosphere but um, Perez and Stroll kind of spent wasted valuable time fighting between each other I think at several points in the race between pit stops and whatever um, so I you know it's impossible to kind of extrapolate how it would have worked out if Racing Point had pulled the same move or anything like that. But I think that, you know, could well have been the difference. But at the end, what what are your guys' thoughts on that? I was impressed yeah. with Stroll mixing it with Perez. I thought, go on, Sam. Oh, yeah. Mean, we haven't seen much of him. I mean, with his racer, he's good. He's a good racer. He's got good racecraft. Oh, I disagree. Oh, okay. I thought he was all oh. right. I enjoyed his race. I, he spent a lot of time behind Ricardo, didn't he? I, he, I don't think his race. I think his racecraft is one of his biggest weaknesses, to okay. be honest. Because he spent a lot of time behind Ricardo when he could have got past much earlier on, and then pushed forward and possibly got a fifth place, but he didn't. And his move on Ricardo as well was, to me, he should have got a penalty for that because really? there was no way he was making. Yeah, he, was, he forced Ricardo off the track, so. He shouldn't have. That's a penalty. I thought, I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it. If you can, if you if you can lunge up the inside and force the other driver to not make the corner, then it's just gonna be silly watching people dive from from so far back mm. and not allowing the other driver to turn in because you forced them off the track. So for me, that's a clear penalty and how he got away with it. I don't know, but. That's just my rant at the stewards. I suppose. Again. I suppose the penalty is that he was then attacked by Norris. <laughs> yeah, but that's because he went off the track and also <laughs> took Ricardo with him out and out, out into a different country. <laughs> to Narnia. <laughs> I, um, I I'd kind of I think on its own, kind of the incident on its own, I maybe lean towards not giving a penalty, but I'm I think. What Nigel said about the precedence it sets, um, yeah, and this I is kind that. of what I said. What I said last week, but um, a lot less eloquently last week. <laughs> um, that you know, I'd rather see kind of 
clean racing, less racing that's cleaner. And, you know, like Nigel said, if you've, if drivers see that's allowed, and especially Ricardo, you know, next time he's in a, especially behind one of the rating points, you know, they better watch their inside because he'll think, you know, if, if that's, if that's the kind of status quo of what's allowed, then, you know, I'll have a bit of that. Um, I just don't get how Lewis, uh, how Hamilton, for example, not, a five-second time penalty and two racing, uh, two penalty points on his license for something that was clearly accidental. Or a strong Oh, go on. Um, well, I think for that, and I don't think you know it's right, but I think that was based on the consequence of it that Albon exactly. got the problem, knocked, off the, knocked off the racetrack. That's the, because it say, say Ricardo turns in to make contact. Oh, so then Stroll gets a penalty. It shouldn't be like that. It should be. What it shouldn't be about the consequence for me because for Stroll to get a penalty, it means Ricardo intentionally has to turn in, make contact, and the should go, Oh, right, you should get a penalty. But Ricardo didn't want to make contact, so then, yeah, know. I mean, if that happened, Ricardo would be criti- criticized during the foul, essentially like diving in football, and you get booked himself, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's that's yeah, I get where you're coming from, nice to be fair. Mm. I I enjoyed Stroll's race. I really enjoyed watching him fight with people. And I think I liked the fact that he came back at Perez. Um, I really, yeah, yeah. I think I, I appreciate what you're saying actually about him being stuck behind Ricardo for way too long. He, I don't want to decry a last lap, second last lap lunge, but now you say it, it was, he did get Ricardo off the track. I'm trying to picture it in my mind. I've only seen it at the one time, but. I think, I don't know, it was just, most of, apart from that bit then, most of the race I thought for Stroll was really good. <laughs> I thought there was a couple, I think it was more Perez, but um, for several, we've mentioned um, Bottas and Verstappen, but kind of through, from turn four, kind of through the through sector two, there were some brilliant kind of wheel-to-wheel battles. I think Perez took on Sainz and Stroll through there. Um, I think there was some great racing through that section of track, which you know I really enjoyed as a fan. Um, the, the, the DRS got felt a bit too powerful when the move was on. Although, we, as we just said about Stroll not being able to get the move done, that kind of makes that redundant. So it's a whole big weird debate. But it seems to give me the impression that once when a move was on, the majority of the time it was done before the braking zone of turn four which got a bit tedious for the moves, I'd have to say. It, it was more prevalent in uh, probably the Formula 2, but anyway. Yeah, Gasly really suffered from that. I think early yeah. in the race, there were four or five overtakes off the top of my head where um, they just kind of overpowered him on the straights. But it, I think it depended largely on how, because Austria's got three um, DRS zones back-to-back. But I think it also depended how the well, obviously how the driver took the corner because I think for the more kind of aggressive defenders or attackers, then that was actually you know where you got the the big flowing battles through the next sector. Um, but the good news is we're going to Hungary next, which is completely different. So, um, Ocon did quite. Ocon impressed me <laughs> when he um, defended really aggressively from Ricardo um, going yeah. into that corner. Uh, who else was good there? Russell scrapped with Magnussen, but then he got forced out wide. Um, 
which then compounded Williams race, didn't it? Um, well, who was um, Perez? I can't remember. I think it was Perez overtaking someone. Around the outside. Um, yeah. Well, he kind of, he, it might have been Stroll actually, where he, he got the DRS um, and, and kind of got up and actually moved, overtook him and kind of moved back in, you know, and the, and the other driver tucked into his slipstream, but then kind of dived out um, up the inside. Um, so he kind of let him pass on the straight and ducked back into his slipstream, but then made a late breaking move into the corner. Um, yeah, it was on the line sign. Kind of what? Can... That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Jack Nichols um, put out a tweet. Uh, BBC F1. Jack Nichols put out a um, tweet today saying that it was one of the best overtakes he's seen in Formula One, and Verstappen's defence as indeed. well was. Yeah, very high praise. Because we don't get much overtaking in F1, <laughs> <laughs> particularly around the outside. Um. You mentioned Renault. I thought mm. it was a very good weekend for them. They've mm. shown some tangible evidence that they are in the midfield fight. Um, Freddie shaking his head and making kind of weird facial expressions at me. But um, Ricardo, if it wasn't for the kind of dive bombs from Stroll, he could well have taken the fifth place from Perez, and that would have been the best result of, or uh, second best result of his Renault career, I think. Um, the knock-on was kind of showing good pace. He got into Q3 and qualified fifth. Um, yeah, you know, I think it was a good weekend for them after a difficult year. You know, obviously they've got to back that up. Um, but Freddie, what are I don't, you thinking on that? I don't think it was the best race for Renault. Um, they've got I mean Ocon yeah. they're qualified they're both cards into Q3 very good especially Ricardo after his crash in FB2 wonderful Ocon qualifying P5 wow look at that brilliant and then in the race Ricardo finishes what 8th and Ocon retires with an overheating issue which is the same issue that um, Ricardo retired with uh, last week so they've got niggles to get on top of but then they're forcing them out of the race and they just—it was pure the pure driver's skill of Ricardo to be able to negotiate his battery and all of that on old soft tires to force to force Stroll's attack to be so aggressive. It was it was only the skill of Ricardo that saved them in the points. Really, I think this weekend I thought and and Ocon potentially as well, but it would have been around tenth. It wouldn't. It would have. I mean, what Kvyat was tenth. It would have been that position for Ocon, presumably, just because he was dropping off on the pace and yeah I, guess. Retired, I think Renault if they want to be a solid midfield contenders they seem to be just a touch off Racing Point and McLaren they've got a strong driver lineup but other than that I don't really think Renault did have the yeah. best week they had such a it was a really it was below par I think actually for Renault I think they had I think the result was below par but the Potential shown okay, yeah. was was pretty good. I'll go with that. Nigel? What? Yeah, this, this was Renault's worst track last year. So if this is Renault's worst performance this year, I think that stands them in pretty good stead for the rest mm. of the season, I think. Because, yeah, like I said, they were weak here last year and they were a bit better this year, it seemed. Uh, reliability, I think, could be the biggest problem. It still seems that... Uh, 
having these failures which are costing them massively. They they need to man they need to put a clean weekend together really to yeah, to build up the points. But yeah, it was okay for Renault and I think I, I definitely think there's more to come for them just simply because they'll fare better on other circuits. Yeah, that's fair. And rounding out the top ten as he mentioned previously, it was Danny Fiat for Alpha Tauri. I think that's a great result for him. I think Alpha are slower than um, I'd say they're probably the seventh, if I've got my math right. I think they're faster than Williams, Haas and Alfa Romeo. Um, so I, th- I think, you know, picking up points so far in both races um, is a pretty good return for them and they seem to kind of have their act together in that they're able to pick up points when the teams that are faster than them falter so far. So I think it was a good um, for, and, and especially for Kvyat, he's been under pressure from Gasly ever since he came back to Toronto, really. Um, so yeah, good result for him to get 10th. If you've got anything to add on that. Yeah, it was good for Kvyat to get 10th. It was a very strong drive. It could be, he was quite low on the grid and he sort of plugged away at the race and just got there, got into P10, got the point, brought, brought it home. Tick tick tick, but it was just it was a it was a sad race for Gasly because he qualified yeah. well, he started well, but it's just the soft, hard, soft strategy. Yeah, he went yeah, back onto the soft just because the really hards work. Work he just couldn't get the hards working, and but he needed to make it work, mm. and they they eventually put him on the softs just to get some pace because, what well, I think. It was in the laps. It was in the sixties lap numbers where he finally got past Latifi and Russell. Mm. I think the reason uh, Gasly used the hard tires was because was because uh, they needed to do something different, really, against the other midfield teams because they don't quite have the pace of McLaren, Renault, and Racing Point. So they tried something different. It didn't work, and yeah, I think the I think the problem Alpha Tori have is that. They don't quite have the pace, and they seem almost in no in no man's land. They're not with Hassan Williams, but equally they're not with Renault, Racing Point, and McLaren. So they're just going to have to take opportunities, I guess. And yeah, they're just going to be battling for one or two points. It looks like I don't, I don't, I don't see them in the top six at any point this year, unless we get a crazy race again. Yeah, I I don't think they're, I think, as you say, they're in a bit of no man's land, they're not in the midfield battle, but I think that'd still be a good season for them if they can, you know, pick up points, as they've done so far, kind of, you know, make it into the points, and, you know, I do think if there is a crazy race, they'll be in a decent position to capitalise on that, just from what I've seen, they seem to be a good unit. It was kind of, once Gasly pit, it was kind of, you know, he dropped down the order and kind of out of consciousness with all of the um, um, stuff going on in the midfield and it kind of <laughs> seemed weird to see where it went wrong for him um, but you know a good result in qualifying and I think he'll still be strong over the season as will Alpha um, have either of you got anything you want to say on the rest of the field um, well done to Haas for finishing the race <laughs> Uh, that sounded mean, but genuinely, they've had so many issues recently. Yeah, 
they haven't got a car out in Q1 in both races. As in, one has gone out, the other hasn't. Uh, or has had brake issues. And that's, it's a horrible thing to have, is brake issues. I think, well, especially the Haas. What, they, they had brake issues a few years ago with Brembo and so on. So their, their supplier and their integration seems to be a, an issue for them. And it's something that's plagued them for ages. So they're going to be so frustrated that they just can't get on top of that because they want to be able to bring the car forward. They want to be able to get on top of all these issues and bring the car forward because they can do it. They're a really, really good team. They work bang for their buck really well. And it's just, I want them to do well. I like the people there. You know, they've got the Ferrari engine though. It would say with Alfa Romeo and, that, and it's the first time there's been no yeah. Ferrari powered cars in the top 10 since Mexico 2015, which says Maybe. a lot really. Wow. So, wow. So yeah, Alfa and Haas. I don't know how much of it is the engine, how much it's other stuff, but it looks like it could be a, a long year for all of the Ferrari powered teams. Yeah. I think Mag- Magnussen especially you know, I like him in yeah. terms of what he brings. He's a good racer. Um, but yeah. yeah, you know, not, they're just not kind of getting any results at the moment. And, you know, it's happy that they finish, but equally it's not what they'll be um, mm. wanting, you know, kind of with it 12th and 13th isn't, they won't want that to be the, um, the ceiling for them and kind of the benchmark of a successful weekend. Um, Williams, I think, just touching on them briefly, the opposite of um, Alpha Tauri in that even when they kind of get a good position, they don't seem to be able to pull anything off. It was a shame for Russell, Russell that he span out so quickly. I don't think they would have made the top 10 on pace anyway, um, but kind of... He could have made think, it harder for a few others to get there. Yeah, and I think, you know, they just maybe need a bit of nous to get themselves, you know, in those positions, being in the right place at the right time for that. Um, and Alfa Romeo, I think, are the only other two we've not mentioned. We'll probably talk about those a bit more in the um, general uh, podcast that we'll do after Hungary on kind of what where the future lies for them. So, um, that's the race covered. It took us 50 minutes, but it was... An entertaining race, especially at the end, with a lot of talking points, as usual. Um, we'll move on to F1 Fantasy, which we didn't mention last week, but we are all doing F1 Fantasy this season. Um, and we're in a league with us three and some of the journalism friends that we have. Um, and yeah, it was a better week for me this week. Um, mm. But if we start with Austria, I'm just going to pick that up now. Um, so my team is Hamilton, Norris, Perez, Stroll, Verstappen, and the team is set as rating points, um, which wasn't a very good decision for last week. It was good in the qualifying, but in the race, um, Stroll retired, Verstappen retired, Perez kind of didn't mix it as high as I thought he would. Um it was a good weekend for Norris and Hamilton didn't win the race either. Um, so that wasn't great. How was your guys' weekends in your fantasy teams for that, for Austria? I, I did awful in Austria. 
Mm -hmm. So uh, I think I only got 40 <laughs> odd points or something. But uh, so I changed my team afterwards. I've now I've got Russell in there, and I've also got Mercedes as the team card, whatever you call it. Uh, yeah. And I put Norris. Now I don't think I had Norris before, so I put him there as well. So I've completely changed my team, and it's given me a good result for the Styria Grand Prix. So yeah. I don't. To be honest, I don't really know how this game works. So there's a lot of um, kind of bonus points you can get, and you've really got to sort of think uh, about. Like, I don't want to have anyone in the same team with yeah. each other because then if someone out qualifies, yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll get the point I for the amount to... qualifying, but then you'll lose the point because they were out qualified. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. And they do minus points and so on. Because my, <laughs> my Austria lineup has stayed the same. I kept it the same. Got Perez, Hamilton, Sainz, Giovinazzi, Verstappen, and Racing Point as the team. And um, there was a few... I, I had good drives in Austria, apart from for Verstappen, who let the side down. Um, Wasn't this his, fault. With his retirement. <laughs> he let the team... He let Formula One down. Um, but then for... Uh, how do I change this on my computer? Oh, oh well. I'm just going to go on memory now. I can't see it anymore. Um, <laughs> for the, I got about 130-odd points for that race, but then I got about 180 oh. for this race, just going with the same lineup. I think I was saved a bit by Perez coming through the field and by Verstappen and Hamilton's podiums. Um, and a decent qualifying performance of the majority, apart from Giovinazzi. So I think it's, it's going okay. But Asim, you're the one with the team that yeah. is... A few points ahead of us. I am first in our league, yes. Um, so oh. I've kept the same lineup. Um, I was thinking along the same lines as you about not having teammates, but I think Stroll, um, he was rated at 7.8 million, which seemed like an absolute you know, bargain for the other drivers that are around mm -hmm. that level. Um, so I've put him in. And yeah, if we go to the Styrian Grand Prix, I got 211 points, which has catapulted me up the order into first place, which I've now not got up on the leading board. Um, but yeah, but we are all in our journalism league. We are all at the um, all at the top. We're in the top oh. three, which is nice. Um, so yeah, um, we're going to do a Hungary preview podcast later on this week, and we're going to then go over all our sort of predictions for the race then and who we think will come out on top in, in Hungary for finally a race at a different track um, <laughs> this year. Uh, it feels weird to leave Austria, but anyway, that's what we're going to do. Um, we need to talk about the return of a certain two-time world champion as well, so we can talk about that next time, what, yes. whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, because it seems to divide, it seems to, it seems to have divided opinion in the F1 community, as it seems. Yeah, so, yeah. Always lots to talk about in F1, which is the great thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll move on from that quickly. Otherwise, we will get entrenched in debate <laughs> here now. Um, so yeah, so we can you can find us on Acast, uh, which is our podcast podcast provider. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on YouTube if you want to see our beautiful faces. But presumably, you already have listened to this because you're at this bit. So I'm just reminding you how you got here, but. Well done. Um, so, yes, we've got our Hungary preview podcast coming up later this week, and then we've got the Hungarian Grand Prix. So, that'll be brilliant, hopefully. All right. 
Bye, guys. We'll see you for that.